Okay, you both ready? See, now yeah. I've, got a little, I've got a little window of double Cameron now. Yeah, why is it doing that? Double Lee. I don't know. Because every so often I get double U popping up. And yeah. I have to switch little U off. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Turn off little Dave. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think we just found a cold open. <clears throat> as long as it's not moist open. This is what I signed up to. It's genuinely what I signed up to. Do you, join a, do you want to join a Doctor Who podcast, Cameron? Coming up, it'll be fine, it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be cool. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it'll be grand. And this is what I'm subjected to each and every single time. So what did you do to, to during the lockdown, Cameron? Don't ask. Just just don't. All right? <laughs> just don't ask. Don't ask. I need to recover from it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the corner of Doctor Who fandom where insightful analysis, intelligent discussion and biting wit are just as hard to come by as a season 14 Blu-ray box set. It's the Polis Box, the podcast that puts Doctor Who in the dock. I'm Lee. I'm Dave. And I'm Cameron. That may be our slackest opening yet. That was smooth. Thank you. Uh, I just, that was. And so there's, nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with aiming for a smooth opening. <laughs> Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we're back. <clears throat> we're back. Uh, we're back wait. faster than we usually are as well. Yeah. It's usually about in nine months at least, isn't it, between episodes these days? And yeah. This has been what a fortnight. Um, yeah. yeah, it was two weeks ago tonight. Yeah, we recorded the last one. We're getting dangerous when you're having an actual schedule here. We're going to have to rein this in. I think you've got to wait until like the three months. If you do three in three months, then that you're officially on a schedule. So we don't actually have to do another one for like two months. Awesome. We could <laughs> plenty of time for that K9 and Company live stream now. I, I look forward to the in six weeks asking what what we're going to record next. When was it? <laughs> when was it? Who's Very prosecuting? Fun. Who's yeah. defending <laughs> this one? Are we doing this? <clears throat> exactly. There's certain traditions we have to uphold on this podcast, and that's one of them. What yeah. people forgetting what side of the sort of thing and having to rewatch episodes twice because it's been six months since they watched <laughs> it the first time round. <laughs> Only twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk to all traditions. The Polis box curse has struck again, hasn't it? Um, quite a few times over this last yeah. couple of days, is it not? Yeah, I don't know if we can claim all of them. Well, we've we, we've lost we've lost uh, Florian from Craftwork. Yep. Yeah. Millie Small did. Yep. I think there might have been a couple of other people died recently, but I'm not sure. I'm sure I saw a newspaper thing that somebody may be dying. I don't know. <laughs> I'll be watching the news. It's only an occasion. It doesn't happen often yeah. just now. It? It's no, no, it's alright. Yeah, there's been quite a few, but those are the two big ones in the last couple of days. The first, Act in Britain and Craftwork. I was going to have a look and see if I could find uh, a Craftwork version of the Doctor Who theme tune. So if I can find one, I'll play that in, instead of our original, <coughs> then by the summer tones. So we can have that All as a right. tribute to Florian. We'll, we'll do that, if, it, if that can be arranged. He must have done it sometime. You would have thought so. I mean, 
And then yeah. I remembered to be at one point, I don't know if this is like one of his John Nathan Turner's more fanciful tales, but contributing music to Doctor Who in the 80s at some point. I'm sure yeah. there was a rumour kicking around that might happen. But most music on Doctor Who in the 80s, if somebody said to you, Kraftwerk did that, you go, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, but that, it was like sort of later sort of Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy bit where the BBC had suddenly discovered stereo and everything has to be punctuated <laughs> by something on a keyboard. Every yeah. single line of dialogue has to be dee 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 dee. And yeah, it probably would get it for that. <clears throat> yeah, Somewhere in the crash zoom button on the cameras. Yeah, it's like going, oh, we need a bit of added drama for this bit. Um, you know, the dialogue gives it a wee bit of a punch, but we need that knockout blow. Call Dusseldorf. <laughs> It's imagine a phone interview. So how fast can you pan things left and right? <laughs> yeah. What could they be in there? There must be Kraftwerk Doctor Who stuff somewhere. Yeah, there must be. I'll have a look. If I can make La- it happen, it'll happen. Last month's question was, is there Doctor Who manga? This month's question already <laughs> is, is there a Kraftwerk version of the Doctor Who theme tune? We ask, we ask all the important questions on this podcast. We do. I mean, if the listeners want to know if there's Doctor Who versions of anything else, contribute to send us a, yeah. send us a question into Twitter. We'll try and find out. Is there a Doctor Who version of Spaghetti Hoops? Doctor Hoops. There's got to be. <laughs> there's got to be. There must be Doctor Who passed the shapes at some point. I could see I it in my head. This. I seem to remember having these on tour. I seem to remember we sort of passed the TARDISes <laughs> and a wee Dalek. It rings a bell. I'm just yeah, there must have been like spaghetti hoop, like pasta shapes in tins of Doctor Who in the late 80s. Must have been. Okay, I did a quick Google. There have been Doctor Who pasta shapes in tomato sauce. Yes! <laughs> now, for the speedboat, Cameron, if you can tell me, to the year, either side, when were those produced? Uh, right, well, I seem to remember having them when I was a kid. Um, I'm going to say 84. Dave, want to take a guess? Uh, this is all turning about Radio 2, but I'll go 86. <laughs> From Google, Doctor Who whole wheat pasta shapes and tomato sauce was a British tinned pasta dish by Cross and Blackwell that was manufactured in 2009. What? <laughs> <laughs> there may have been one before that. So Wes Cameron has been in a coma for most of his life. Then. <laughs> this has oh, changed well. everything. <laughs> I'm currently reevaluating my entire life now thanks to these pasta shapes. Do you know what? Look at, looking down the list on Google, there doesn't seem to be any mention of anything pre-new series. The impressive really? thing is... We yeah. opened this with discussions of like the pandemic and who we've lost. And <laughs> then we moved to Kraftwerk, whether they did music for Doctor Who. Now we're on a Doctor Who pasta. Well, I've got to keep it light. Come on, you know, people but, are suffering the thing out is, there. It's the Doctor Who pasta that's making Cameron re-examine his life. Many other stuff. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with the big issues here, Dave. Come on. Oh, that's rocked me to my very core, actually. <laughs> nice. Maybe I'm in, maybe I'm in right. some time loop. I remember it from when I was a kid. Yeah. And you're what, 43? (laughs) Right, okay, right, let's save this for the actual effect. We're going for that, are we? I'll have you know that I'm actually much younger than Lee. (laughs) How dare you, I'm 42. Almost. And three quarters. That must mean I'm younger than 42. I don't know what age I am. I think I'll be 41 this year. It's almost like we're old enough to know better, isn't it? 
but we're not old enough to know when Doctor Who Pasta was around. Yeah. yeah. If anybody can confirm that it does exist pre-new series, then this is what Twitter is for. Send us a picture. If you Better still, if you've still got an original can of it in the cupboard, lurking in the darkest recesses, say you have an pick. expiry date of about 1918, you're willing to open it on a video for us and reveal the horror within. It's not like the Pandorica, right? You find this thing lurking underground, open it, see what's inside. Horrible things are lurking within. See, that's why we keep you around as the producer slash editor, because you just segue <laughs> straight into the Pandorica. That was He's good. smooth. He's that good. Was slick, that was smooth. That was, was yeah. A slick introduction, and now he's even slick into the actual point of the actual podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Doctor Who pasta. Only, <laughs> the only problem with that is I'm not going to go straight into the episode I'm talking about because we've got things to do first. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Reveal the results of uh, last time's episode. Nah, we don't need to do that. It's fine. I think we should let the record show that, that this has happened. So last time we talked about the Green Death, we put the Green Death on trial uh, from John Pertwee's fourth series as a doctor i dave you were prosecuting no i was defending it no i was, was yeah uh, no i was i was defending it dave was prosecuting it <laughs> yeah okay, can i just point out again this was only a fortnight ago <laughs> yeah a lot's happened in those two weeks. Folk are dying, Lee. Come on. <laughs> it was only two weeks, but it was 43 sleeps ago. All right. <laughs> I'll look at my notes. I can confirm who it was. So uh, the results for the Green Death episode. We asked you if it was guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. The results. Guilty. 19%. Not guilty. 81%. So Cameron takes that one because he was defending it. Yeah. And it goes into yeah. the... Official, unofficial canon of uh, Doctor Who. It's official canon of Doctor Who. It actually happened. Yep, it exists. It hasn't been erased from existence. Oh. These segues are just piling up, aren't they? It's almost like Cameron just wants to get on with it. <laughs> Maybe, you know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not wanting to dwell and, and like, you know, revel in, in my victory here. You know, I'm, I'm, but you're going to. No. She's no, trying to move I mean, on and achieve his next victory. That's what we're trying to. We're moving on, you know. Okay. Shall we Both get started? want to hear me gloat. And I mean, we have been talking or recording for 15 minutes, but we've actually been on Skype for nearly 50 now, so, you know. Yeah, maybe we should get on with it then, shouldn't we? <laughs> okay, this time round, we're going back to Matt Smith's first series of The Doctor in 2010, and we're going to be tuned two, because we're doing a two part finale. We're starting off first, though, with the Pandorica Opens. Why is it exploding? I assume it's some kind of warning. Well, something's going to happen to the TARDIS. It might not be that literal. Anyway, this is where he wanted you. Date and map reference on the door sign, see? Does it have a title? The Pandorica opens. The Pandorica? What is it? A box, a cage, a prison. It was built to contain the most feared thing in all the universe. It's a fairy tale, a legend. It can't be real. If it is real, it's here and it's opening. And it's got something to do with your TARDIS exploding. Hidden, obviously, buried for centuries. You won't find it on a map. No, but if you bury the most dangerous thing in the universe, you'd want to remember where you put it. Show him where the demons dwell, where the bandits 
So the Pandora opens was broadcast on Saturday the 19th of June 2010. Uh, it starred Matt Smith as the Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amy Pond, Arthur Darvill as Rory Williams, Alex Kingston as River Song, and this episode got a total of 7.57 million viewers over the uh, time it was available on iPlayer. Now, before we start, you two, I have to insist that a standard of decorum is adhered to throughout this case. I, as judge, will not stand for any references whatsoever about you know what. I don't want to hear anything about the doctor just being able to casually walk through it and go into another astral plane. I don't want to hear any mention of how many Roman soldiers have passed through it. Okay? I don't want any jokes. So let's just, let's crack on. If we don't, don't do know any jokes, this is going to be very dull. <laughs> Even more so than usual. <laughs> okay, let's go on with it. Uh, Dave, you're defending, so do you want to start? Well, are we not going to do the thing we did last time where you do the run-through of what happens in it and then we argue about whether it's good or bad? No, because I'm trusting you two have done that this time. <laughs> you're changing the format because Cameron I won. Th- I thought he was going to do that. I thought he'd be sort of you know, leading the way and you and me would just be shouting each other over the top of him. Yeah. A bit like a bit like, like really sort of annoying children in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah. On the way to Skegness or something. <laughs> yeah. You tell them if they get in the car they're going to Skegness, but... We know that's not where they're going, Cameron. No, well, no. No, since the divorce. <laughs> I've not actually made any sort of rundown of the episode, so. Well, you, oh, well. you do. If you want to do sort of things, don't you? should have asked. All right, so yeah. Dave, it, on you go. For me, this is. I remember that when this aired, this was a really good episode. And I don't know if it was because at the time it was actually a really good episode. Or because it was the one straight after James fucking Corden. <laughs> oh God, so it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, was it the Lodger? Yeah. And all that. And was that was that Matt Smith's first series? Gee, I thought it was his yes. second. <coughs> oh, because he, James Corden got two, didn't he? He came yeah. back in season he got that six. God awful Cyberman one as well. Yeah. They were both god awful Cyberman ones, weren't they? No, the thing no. in the upstairs flat was just a random alien thing. Oh, of course yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you're not supposed to, yeah, and the leak in the ceiling and all that kind of stuff in the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. But he came back because in the second one, because he had a kid, and it was like, and that's when the Cybermen are defeated by love. Which is why I, I like the Cyberman in the new ones, actually, because that was the the moment he's going on about, you know, how, oh, do you remember you had a child? You had a child. I had two children. Oh, but do you remember those? You must have loved those. I ate their skin. I was like, that was. <laughs> That was the moment I thought, we're not going to get James Corden in this one, are we? <laughs> oh, if only we did. A big fat Cyberman mugging for the audience, telling everyone he's on kids. With yep. barbecue sauce. Dancing yeah, around thinking he's in Cats. I think when they were doing this series, they had Vincent and the Doctor, which for me is one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever. Mm. As a standalone episode. 
I'm not, not going to ever comment on whether I like that or not because if it comes up, I might be hating it. <laughs> That's fine. Well, it's the awesome. same series because we uh, see Vincent writing a very start reacting badly yeah. to yet another bad review. Or yeah. say. Well, yeah, pretty much. I, I think that's why they put the lodger in there because they had Vincent the Doctor, really good, really heavy, really meaningful episode, and they thought, let's throw some pointless shite in the middle, James Corden. <laughs> yep. And then they put in the double bill at the end. So this opens with them pulling back in loads of threads from in this series. It's Vincent, it's Winston Churchill and Edwin Bracewell, it's I'm the bloody queen, and that kind of thing. And it all pulls together. So that's how they open it. So you know it's going to be end of the series, big finish, that kind of, it's a, it's a good open. Typical Moffat hyperactive claptrap. <laughs> like a bloody child let loose with a pen and some crayons rather and sitting drawn on the fridge going, yeah, we'll go here and we'll go to this planet and we'll go. Um, I, you know when you, like people get idents that just appear and say, you know, we're here in such and such a year. Moffat loves them. Really loves them. Every oh. single scene in that. It's like, you know, when we're on, who's the blue guy again? The blue monk guy. I can't remember his uh, name. That's Dorium, I think his name is. Dorium. Yeah. Dorium. 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 Yeah. Dorium. Um, he, you know, it comes up with, you know, such and such a planet, such and such a year. We don't need to know the bloody name of the planet. We know it's an alien planet. And so why bother putting that up? It's, this is just hyperactive nonsense. It goes all roads in about what feels like about 10 seconds and but, can't seem to settle on one thing. But that's one of the good things about it because there's so many callbacks for fans. There's so many things in there. There's so many references. Yes, yeah, hyperactive. But you're telling me just throughout the show. Don't just you try to cram them all in before the first note of the theme song's gone. I don't think hyperactive is something you can level at a series finale, considering we just come off the back of five Russell T. Davis finales. Aren't exactly Two. known for the restraint. Three. Three. Was it three? Three. Well, five at this point if you're counting the specials. Oh, if you're counting the specials, all right, okay. If you're counting yeah, the that's the sort of finale, isn't it? So I suppose that when this came along, you'd had two or three main season finales under Russell T Davis that had all been about like oh they'd essentially been all about love yeah and uh, Rose and you, the Doctor yeah oh Rose and the Doctor you know I'm gonna come across you know get on that Dalek ship and wipe every stinking Dalek etc etc and then Doomsday with um you know Billy Piper leaving and in different bloody dimensions and the third season which was a mess we won't go into that <clears throat> But then you got um, you got this, and you, you you were kind of wanting something a wee bit different. But yet here we are again, with just every single character shoehorned in the first five seconds. And, and speaking of every character, see when they get the time the vortex manipulator on a time agent's wrist, were we meant to think that's Captain Jack's wrist? I think we were meant to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you, you, you presume it is, yeah. Captain so, Jack's fell belt wrist. Which is again just thrown in a reference, thrown in the character... And then it's gone. Never mentioned again. Never brought up. But no, it's one for the fans. There, one for the fans of this point that probably would have been all of, you know, watching for the last three years or something. We get the first kind of like Stephen Moffat made up, like, oh yeah, I'll just drop this in here just to say this is how she gets out of prison. How River Song gets out of prison. Hallucinogenic lipstick. Yeah, we've seen her have it before. It's a nonsense. 
It's an absolute no. It's obviously the first thing he's written down in a post-it note to go. Well, we need to get out of jail. So, um, aye, let's just um, aye, lipstick. That'll do. There's no sort of great escape plot going on. There's no like just have her break out. She's like handy with a gun. We know she is. So just but she doesn't need to just, be. She's using her womanly wiles. Her womanly wiles. Yeah. Alright, okay, fair enough Womanly wiles um, She does in almost every scene we, Well, yeah we need to, We'll talk about um, my problems with River Song Later on And so, we'll talk we, about why I like River Song And we might have an entire spin-off podcast there <laughs> Okay Is this going to be the Mall Flanders box? <laughs> I'll rephrase that Oh, we can even call it River Song Right or Wrong <laughs> Podcast title right there I'm just making a note of that right now. <laughs> Wrong. So we get all these characters. We get, yes, the Royal Collective found the bloody queen while stealing the painting. There's a painting of the TARDIS exploding. Um, Vincent van Gogh seems to have painted this picture of the TARDIS exploding. It's a message to the Doctor. And he, it seems to be like passed through everyone in time to try to get them to um, actually understand it. As Churchill says, I don't understand it. But then he's told, I don't think you're supposed to understand it, Prime Minister. I think you're supposed to deliver it. Yeah, I can't hear that. I can't hear that guy now without thinking about good omens. Your car's hardly roadworthy, son. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because when you've done that with that accent, I just thought North Stock Cubes. Yeah. Churchill's gone up to Inverness for a hen nights. <laughs> Oh, you sprinkle a wee bit of stock cube in your Doctor Who pasta shapes. <laughs> oh, yes. It brings it up a level, huh? <laughs> Chef's kiss. Not you, Dave. Um, so, with the, Amy and the Doctor, we, we get round to them. Thank Christ. There's a point to all this eventually. And um, they go looking to the oldest message in the universe that has remained untranslated until now, because the TARDIS will obviously translate such a thing. And they land, and on the cliff faces of some far-flung planet in some godforsaken galaxy are the words, hello, sweetie. Yeah, I'd like to point out that not just is it a planet in the far-flung reaches of the galaxy, it's Planet One. That's what it's called, Planet One. Lazy fucking naming. Yes. Once again, what are we going to call that? Moffat writes with his post-it notes. (laughs) Moffat Uh, writes with his toes. (laughs) Thank you. I'd like to congratulate the defence on their successful prosecution. <laughs> it's fine. It's, that is lazy writing. I mean, maybe he wasted all his writing on the incredible storyline. Couldn't come up with names for things. No, I, think for. Was, I think it was a bit of a cracker. Mate. There you go. So they teleport to um, a Roman encampment somewhere in Britain, and they are the Doctor and Amy are expected because some wee centurion fella with smeary lipstick on his face decides to walk up to them and go oh, you're expected and it's yeah. um river they song are... pretending to be cleopatra they do seem to get met by the world's fattest legionnaire yeah i don't think i think he's been quite well on the pasta which were obviously invented by the romans yeah so the um painting's called the pandorica opens because um, we finally get to the point of this bloody painting, despite the fact it's been on we there. We finally get to see the painting. We haven't well, seen yeah. it the whole time. And it's like, it's only really slapped in there for a bloody merchandise opportunity. 
speaks the person who bought a mug with that exact painting <laughs> around the edge of it from the Doctor um, Who shop about five years ago. <laughs> I have got that painting up in my spare room on the wall. Ah, very good. I'm falling behind. I've just got an original Van Gogh stashed in the cupboard. That's good. Because you've got that's a human ear nailed to the wall doesn't mean that's <laughs> The Doctor does not believe that it spells the end of the TARDIS. He's kind of like disbelieving of all this. The Doctor's um, in denial. He's in denial. He, he refuses is. to talk to anyone about anything. And when anyone asks him a question, he just flashes lights at them. Yeah, pretty much. He's doing that kind of Matt Smith thing of just walks, pacing around the place, thinking, thinking, thinking to himself. Yeah. Kind of idea. And then we get, if you buried the most dangerous thing in the universe, you'd want to remember where you put it. So where's the obvious bloody place where you'd put Inside something Inside like of our song. <laughs> That's where I want to bury things. That took a sudden dark turn, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't there was no sort of romance in that voice at all. That was that was deeply veiled, threatening things. It took a dark so, time, just like River Song when she was a teenager. <sighs> <clears throat> Please, for the love of God, move on. <laughs> so we end up with um, what a Stonehenge, logically, because that's where you go when you want to try and find something that's been buried. What's old and brash? Stonehenge and the Queen. That's it. <laughs> Well, it's just like they could just... It's as if we just went, oh, yeah, we really cool if the Doctor went to Stonehenge and made some sense of that, wouldn't it? Yeah, great, fine. But you can Once tell again, they didn't right? actually film it at Stonehenge. No, they, they probably would have filmed it in a, in a quarry somewhere in uh, no, no, <laughs> the no, south of England. It was actually Stonehenge they used. They got permission to use Stonehenge for a, a couple of shoots. So yeah, it's the real deal. Is it the real deal? It's the real deal. It's a I'm shame because it doesn't look like it. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> like... I'll, a long camera shot coming in and seeing them in Stonehenge. Yeah, they, they've creatively shot it to look nothing like Stonehenge. Yeah. <laughs> it's the they, doctor being a rock whisperer. They completely missed the opportunity to uh, reference Stones of Blood, but we'll, um, won't go there. Hmm. <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah, Stonehenge does really knock the roll right stones into a cock tat, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit. So there we go. Um, so we need to get under Stonehenge, um, which opens just after some lights and gadgets. After some, yeah, we'll attach this machine to this rock, and somehow that'll just open up a door. How many no. post-it notes did that one take? <laughs> we don't need to get under Stonehenge. We need to get into the underhenge, which is a word that I have never heard before or since, but I quite like the underhenge. Um, there's the undercroft, but not the underhenge. But it sounds like it could be a real word, the underhenge, but I don't think it is. When you lean forward, Dave, your mic is feeding back like crazy. There you go. Mm. <laughs> is it? Awesome. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you start saying something I don't like, I'll just <laughs> Yeah, I say it's it's I just there's no it, it's the way it's just like okay yeah we need to get in uh, under Stonehenge yeah just attach these things with lights to them yeah that'll do it's never relates to the references to what they are that's or, it fine or how they got them to Stonehenge yeah exactly it's just yeah let's just pile them in and then just oh look the doors open great right fine let's go it showed them riding to Stonehenge like really fast on horses for hours then they got there and they happened to have all the equipment they needed to move the giant rocks. Thank you, Defence, for that excellent prosecution. Are you sure you're defending this one, Dave? You... Yes. 
Are you right? Okay. They end up going down the wee stairs and under that, but there's a cyber head where no one had noticed it before. You know, yeah. when they were walking around the entirety of Stonehenge, which isn't exactly sort of, it's not got that many hiding places. It's a big stone circle in the middle of a field, and they no one really noticed between the three of them where this cyber head was. Despite but, the fact that the daughters have wandered around it, shining his sonic screwdriver everywhere. But they weren't shining it like a torch looking for things. He was scanning the rocks. River was scanning rocks. Karen Gillan's got nothing to shine any light except her skin. And it's like nighttime in medieval Britain. It's not going to be that well lit. Have you not, like, would the sonic screwdriver not kind of go, yeah, we're scanning, we're scanning, we're scanning? And would, you know, the sonic screwdriver not have a sort of bloody oh, cyber head down there? You might want to maybe have a little look at that. It's um, that wee thing shining in the corner, didn't there? Yeah, but that's not no. what I was looking for. If you've got your phone open and you're looking for someone to send a text message to, it doesn't tell you there's a Tesco 50 feet down the road because it's not what you're looking for. If the daughter thought, hey, I wonder if there's a cyber head lying around here, you might have scanned for that, but you didn't. It maybe would sort of advise you if the Tesco was going to try and shoot you. And, you know, if, if, you, if you'd if you had a whole history of Tesco stores maybe, like, trying to kill you and the rest of the human race, you'd and then your phone away. might go, wait a minute, hold on, there's a Tesco in the corner. Yeah. So we get the... Um, there's a tunnel with a big door which doesn't seem to have any kind of great unlocking mechanism. It just has a bit of wood. So we've gone from one extreme to the other. It's got it's like, the, yeah, we're going to have loads of flashing lights to get underneath it. But the then, um, and then we get... Um, there's a big door. They go for that. And then Amy starts mentioning about Pandora's box because there's a massive great box in front of them. The Pandora itself with its security systems which are currently locked. What's inside the Pandorica? Yeah, there's some really sort of heavy foreshadowing going on at this point when they mention the Pandorica is something that contains the worst thing in the universe and it has evidence of destructive power within. Cam, you're a Rangers fan. Uh, Are we to believe that the Pandorica (laughs) actually contains Neil Doncaster? Your thoughts? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, I I think you'll find Cameron's got thoughts, but he's not going to release them until... It's, he will uh, not be bullied and he will not be silenced. <laughs> Quarter to ten well, now. I'll be talking over him. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'm just going to take my sash I've got hanging up in the background down. <laughs> yeah, let's make um, the podcast even more niche and start referencing Scottish football as well. Yeah, let's. Okay, we're definitely not looking for the craftwork version of the Doctor Who theme tune. We're going to get Cameron to do it on his tin flute. <laughs> yeah. With his bowler hat on. With his bowler hat on. Big marching drums to, in the background. If you follow me the microphone, because I have to be marching through the streets doing that, because it's my natural <laughs> historical right. Now, with that, <laughs> do with so. your, wearing your red socks that go all the way up to your knees. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which represent nothing at all. Yep. <laughs> they represent the proud British flag, that's all. Yeah, that's all, that's all. Nothing nothing to do with anything. No, no, nothing. It's all fine. It's all fine. It's at this point that um, we might have to mention the problem with River Song here. If Mickey is the tin dug, <laughs> River Song is it's the human like... sonic screwdriver. Because that's, that's very harsh. Yeah, I know, I'm a harsh man. She is essentially only in this scene to impart like entire bits of knowledge the amount of gabbling on that alex kingston had to do in this bit about 
oh, and it's this, and this is the Pandorica, and this is what's in, and Legend has it in this, and oh, these stones, oh, these stones are broadcasting, the broadcast signal, oh, here's some Cybermen, oh, there's Daleks as well, oh, there's some Tarans, oh, there's the... It's just... You mean, that's you all, mean she has a almost, conversation? Yeah. She doesn't have a conversation, she almost monologues, and everyone else around her has to go, oh, really? All right, oh, dear me, this is a bit rubbish, Ugh. Daleks. Oh, Daleks are all right on their own. Oh, Cybermen as well. Oh, they'll just fight each other. Oh, some talons and all. Oh, no, baked potato. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, just... but you start in this scene with the Doctor telling his ghost stories, and it's like Indiana Jones. It's dark, it's atmospheric. He's leaning in, whispering to the Hellraiser box, saying, there's a legend of a goblin that fights against everyone, and he had to be trapped. And you've got River Song saying, yeah, but that's just a stupid story because it always turns out to be him that's the hero. And then she pays attention to what he's actually saying and moves the story on. She's not monologuing. She's interacting with other people in the scene and moving it on. Other people at least have a go at this or whatever, but that's all. The Doctor works nothing out. He's just there kind of going, all right, and reacting to everything. Yeah, he's got a semi for the box. The Doctor's the main kind of guy in this series. I don't know if I need to say that, but, you know... It's it's terrible. How so you're we have saying, to... you're saying the man is more important than his wife, <laughs> and she shouldn't be allowed to speak. <laughs> she should be allowed to speak, but not to be just sitting there with a bit of a you know a machine oh, held against the wall. That's very bad. I give you Cameron saying she should be allowed to speak. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Sorry, I'll apologise for my tone there. Yeah, Paul, yeah, sit down. You already are sat down. Uh, the Pandorica is slowly opening itself. All the security protocols are slowly disabling, um, but the stones are transmitting a message, and everyone can hear it, so everyone's coming to the party. Yeah, as mentioned at this point, that everything that hates you is coming here tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Great, Ian Levine, Philip Morrison, Mary Whitehouse. Yay! Doctor Who, what? this is your life. <laughs> this is your life. Lives, there are loads. no more than 12. That's fallacy. It's not canon. <laughs> Uh, River tells the Doctor to run because um, everyone's going to, you know, every, as we say, everything that hates him is going to come tonight. So River tells, so just, just this once, just run. Because he's obviously going to do that, isn't he? No. But we actually get to see the Doctor finding something new. He gets the Pandorka and he goes, I don't know you. Have we met? What are you? Because we're getting to see the Doctor interact with something new that he's never met before. Mm-hmm. It's not the Daleks. It's not a Cyberman. It's all not the stuff we've seen before. It's something new to the Doctor, so he doesn't know what it is. Which and is that's very unusual for Doctor Who. Yeah, it's, it's quite refreshing game. at this point of the series, uh, the new series at least, after having like four years of a sort of new old Doctor Who. Ah, you must be the Atraxi and uh, you at the Battle of... Pastor Pasta Shapes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To actually find something that he doesn't actually know about. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a refreshing change, sir. Yeah. But what is it that he doesn't know about? An empty box. But he doesn't know it. Jesus. Empty. It's not a new race. It's, it's not a new alien. It's not the cl- it's not the modern series deciding to sort of, I oh, know, we'll invent something brand new that can be, you know, used in... Do- no, 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 no. It's an empty It's box. a new so- big bad evil. We don't know what's in it. It could be anything. But the Doctor doesn't know. It takes him and us out of our comfort zones. We don't know what could be in it. It could be anything. It could be anything. In the in the end, nothing. What so what you're saying, Cameron, is it shouldn't show any curiosity to anything that's inside the sealed box. I mean, Christmas must be a riot around your house. 
Well, it is, but that's because they live in the sticks and every day is a riot around there. Every day is a riot around here. <laughs> yeah. Grand. What is Christmas anyway? Far too commercialised. You'll get an orange and a bit of coal. <laughs> you're getting. And sort of tin of pasta shapes. Typical Rangers sign <laughs> everything's <laughs> orange. <laughs> it's the only thing the Cuttle Bridge Tesco's got. The Cuttle Bridge Tesco's? You have to drive to Annan or Lockerbie for that kind of thing. There's, there's no shop here. No, 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 no. And even then, when you drive to Lockerbie Tesco's, it's the worst journey anyone's ever had to Lockerbie. <laughs> Sorry, too soon. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. Oh, don't start playing coy. We heard your joke about Lockerbie. <laughs> the very first time we met you. <laughs> Did we? Tell it, Did we? Tell, tell it to the class Cameron. What was the joke? <laughs> I don't remember, sir. I don't remember. I can't even boys told him it and ran away. I bet you're parking your car across the drive in Lockerbie saying that's not the first time an unwanted vehicle has been dumped in Lockerbie. Oh, yes. <laughs> Surely Com- just can a- be sent to the police box. Get off Twitter. Just an observation. You're the one that laughed. <laughs> I kept a straight face throughout the entire thing. The doctor's trying to buy time. Uh, the idea is that the Roman, um, he can somehow recruit the Romans. We get the scene where Rivers um, talking to a Roman sort of general who's arrived, obviously, from Italy and has uh, kind of worked out that Cleopatra's both A, in Egypt, and B, dead. So can't really be in Britain at the time. Can I just point out that for something that is set in the south of England and contains a lot of Italian slash Romans, there's a lot of gingers in this episode. Yeah, I never noticed that, actually. Like everyone's ginger, except the doctor. He doesn't count. True. Yeah. It's a ginger legionary commander. It's ginger legionary. Maybe they're, uh, maybe they're uh, sort of like the ones they. What was the name of the the guys that the Roman Empire got from, like the indigenous population, and just sort of like converted them? Scabs. I want to say auxiliary. It's just probably. It's, it's, it, it might just even be literally like auxiliaries or something like that. It's just like you know non-Roman Roman legionaries I don't know, anyway yeah, uh, they agree to sort of help out and defend Stonehenge from whatever's coming, really yeah, um, we see that there's volunteers can we then, sorry, carry on yeah, we see there's volunteers and we I don't know if we're meant to see that it's Rory at that point because when you watch it and you he know it's Rory does appear at the door in shadow yeah, yes. you can recognise him if you know it's him but I don't know if you're meant to um, I think you're probably meant to. I think you're probably meant to have an idea of, oh, that's Rory. But if you're that's not meant to have an idea at the time, then the Doctor really ruins the surprise in the very next scene. Because he's talking about how if you remember things, they come back. Yeah, I was gonna, there's a lot of signposting. Oh, things that are remembered can come back. Yeah. Which is kind of like majorly setting the pathway for the sort of final scenes in this two-parter. What we got? Amy's found a ring in the Doctor's um, jacket. What other companion would rifle through the Doctor's pockets? Yeah, she's... she's... What a thief. I bet Turlow would. You wouldn't turn oh, your back well, on yeah. Turlow for well, a second. Turlow maybe would have originally, in the first few, I mean, definitely in like, Enlightenment and all that kind of stuff, Turlow would have. Yeah. Another ginger. Um, See, I've written in my notes for the first episode that Amy is constantly sad but also constantly horny. Because that's kind of what she alternates throughout every single scene. 
it's either crying going, ooh, Romans, they make me moist. And that's all she does in every scene. And I'm not complaining. It's just not great characterization for somebody who's actually an RA actress. I was going to say that, you know, for a character that you have to kind of like think, you know, would miss Rory and all this kind of stuff, she does bang on about Italian men an awful lot. Yeah. And okay, you can use the whole thing of like Rory's been erased from existence and she doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. But she seems rather intent on bagging herself some Italian fella. Yeah. Some um, Italian ginger. As it, yeah, as it, as if some, as if some legionnaires kind of go and really fancy me some ginger Scottish woman. Yeah. <laughs> Who oh yes. Try randomly all the time. Bring them on. <laughs> so um, aye, so we got a um, cyber arm that starts shooting them to break up this moment because Stephen Moffat can't write tender moments without having some laser fire at the end of them. It would seem. Well, you can't. I don't have know. Closure. I don't know if he did that. I don't know if he did that in coupling or not. I'm not sure. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> there was laser fire there, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't laser fire. It was the weird Welsh guy who came in all the time. Yeah, there you go. See, so we can't have any. You know, Stephen Moffat cannot write a sort of scene of any kind of tenderness without having some shooting at the end of it to break up. Uh, <laughs> then we've got um, the cyberhead. Yep. Can, we have, can we have some decorum in this courtroom, please? Some decorum, Sorry. please. I yes, think we're way beyond that point. Cameron was talking about his cyberhead. The cyberhead that has seemingly sort of arms out the back of it where its neck connects. And it's I've put down here, it's all gone a bit like the thing. I think you'll find those are Japanese tentacles stroking Amy's leg. Don't go all bloody hentai. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a cyber dart, which is um, <clears throat> injected into Amy. Cough, cough. <laughs> Which yep. pretty much has no bearing on anything else, apart from to knock her out for a few scenes. Which you can understand, because otherwise she'd just sit there crying randomly. Crying randomly or trying to get an Italian fella. Yep. Um, and then we get um, the head of the Cyberman is kind of, Amy manages to sort of fend it off, but then yep. she makes the whole gag about, you know, oh, you and who and whose body. And then the rest of this cyber body comes rolling around the corner and then connects the head to its neck. Now, this cyber man, as we've as we've seen, has no organic matter in him at all. Yep. None. Nothing. Yep. So how is he facing in the place when? Hydraulics. Because everything, the as we've seen, the skull in the actual um, helmet has crumbled to dust, practically. Yeah. So one assumes the rest of the body has as well. So what the hell's power in the Cyberman? Rage, hope, um, pasta shapes. <laughs> that was my next guess. <laughs> We're really desperately trying to get a sponsorship deal, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, a sponsorship deal from a from a food item that's not been produced for eleven years. If Fendel and Whiskey won't listen, then pasta shapes manufacturers most certainly will. We yep. get told that the cyber body. Cyber suit is looking for a new organic host. But what's power in the meantime? Cybermen, by their definition, need to have like some kind of organic matter in the middle of them. That's the whole idea. It's the kind of combination of man and machine and proving yourself as a life form. Yeah. And, and that's so what it's looking for. It's dead. It has nothing in it but dust. And electricity and a basic unless operating a, system. Unless it's a full-on robot. It's loaded the cyber operating system kernel. And now it's looking for a bigger operating system to load up. 
It's not. Uh, can't otherwise... do that without more hardware. Well, it, otherwise, if the Cybermen can do this, they wouldn't just convert anything. They'd just build themselves as robots, surely. The cyborg part of it disappears. It's not a combination of organic <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and machine matter. But then we're back to the cyber mat and that kind of thing. There's nothing in the cyber mat where you're telling me there's a little rat in there in the lodger and it's secret what, in the cyber episodes that aren't even in, that aren't even in these episodes. No, but we're making a point about Cybermen and how they work. You're saying they need organic material. I'd like the judge to throw this point. I'd like the judge to throw this point out. He's talking about. I think, I think it's, I think it's a fair it. use. It's a fair use as an example, and it won't be taken into account in the overall decision. So, proceed, Dave. Thank you, Your Honour. <laughs> kind of you. The record also show that Dave is now displaying both birds to the camera at camera. You're saying that um, can't exist without the, organic material, but we've seen that they can in other episodes. It's looking for the organic material to complete it. So that's what it's doing. Because we're ta- I'm talking about mainline Cybermen. I'm not talking about Cybermats and all this kind of stuff or shades and all that. Talk about Cybermen as a whole need to have some kind of organic matter within them as a kind of main sort of core operating thing, and the machines built around them. And that's why. So suddenly, for. there's a Cyberman that's that's crumbling to dust anyway that can suddenly move on its own accord. Garbage. Garbage, I say. And that's your problem with this entire two-story episode. One Cyberman has a bit of dust in him. It's Honestly, one, you're, it's you're clutching one at straws, problem. Cameron. No, no, no. It's one problem in this scene, as I've just detailed to you quite successfully, and now you're backstepping. <laughs> anyway, we get this Cyberman is killed by Rory, who manages to stab a sword through it. Uh, Rory and killing Amy. Yep. Rory and the Doc are, kill, are talking again, um, and it takes the Doctor a long, long time to actually register that it's Rory. And it's, how can you be here? And then Rory asks, did she miss me? Can we talk about how much of a sap Rory is? Like, oh, almost... Oh, very dare you. Uh, almost bordering on Adric levels of sapness. He went through <laughs> death, then came back as a Roman centurion, completely out of anything he's ever known before. And the first thing he asks about is the woman he loves. He volunteers to help. The woman he loves, who has just spent the first bit of this episode trying to bag herself an Italian man... But we have yeah. to believe that these two would end up in a relationship. They'd already been in a relationship. But she doesn't know that. But Rory does because he remembers. That's she why settles, I'm asking if she, she remembers him. She for Sap Boy Rory about twice. She never settles for Sap Boy Rory. How very dare you. She might as well just go up with Adric. Well, I suppose, yeah, because Adric lives. Yeah, that would involve bringing Adric back, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah, I forget that. Yeah, Yeah. But, I think you've been a wee bit, maybe been a wee bit unfair on that scene because that one line just completely cuts down all the comedy that was going before it in point of the parping soundtrack and the awkward conversation at a bus stop sort of uh, style that's going on. And it's just completely rug pulled out from underneath you with that one line, did she miss me? And people say Moffat can't do emotion, but there's an example of it right there. I'm not saying he can't do emotion. I'm saying he can't do emotion without a laser gun being fired at the end of it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, then we get I the Hello Stonehenge, um, and then we get the speech where he's talking to all the spaceships that are flying above Stonehenge and like kind of going, you know, who's got the Pandora? I have. Uh, so, you know, do the sensible thing and let someone else try first. Now, this speech lacks something when you watch this the second time round and realise that it's him supposed to be in the Pandora. 
that in retrospect this speech turns into something a little bit idiotic. No, I like the speech itself. It's a good speech. The problem in my from my point of view is the delivery of it. My notes say it's time for the speech made famous by the squeaky child or Matt Smith as he's known. <laughs> because that's how I've written it. Well, once again, Davis defending the Pandora opens. Yeah. This is a really well written speech. It's a really well set scene. He doesn't need to shout if he delivered it. If he delivered it like Liam Neeson would have. He doesn't need to shout because once he identifies himself as the doctor... Phone and a Dalek going, when I find you. <laughs> and the Dalek's going, we're in the sky. <laughs> above your head. I have a particular set of tools. And they go, shh. That's what he would do. But... But he's shouting and he's fighting to make himself hard and the doctor shouldn't have to do that because he's the doctor. If he goes, I am the doctor, look me up, you know who I am. Look up every bad day I've ever given you. And he actually puts a bit of timber and depth on it instead of squealing like he's all excited because he gets to make a speech because he's on stage at Rada. Then it would be a much better scene. It's a well-written scene. I'd like, like to thank speech. the defence for that evidence of the prosecution. The only thing that's truly missing from this scene is an over-persistent fan getting Paul McGann to read it instead. <laughs> the Pandora has entered the final phase of opening, so it's kind of on the verge of being open. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. River, in the meantime, is trying to fly the TARDIS to Stonehenge. We get Amy remember Rory at all. I've got down here that Rory's having trouble with the whole never existing thing. He doesn't seem to be able to get this through his head that he never existed. So therefore... Can I point out that you've skipped over the whole scenes where River has a relationship with the TARDIS? She speaks the TARDIS like it's a person. You can see that she's got tons of experience with the TARDIS. It's not like she's stowing away in it, she's trying to fly it. She knows the TARDIS. It gives a depth to their relationship and a history to it. And let's not forget she is of the TARDIS as well. She was conceived on the TARDIS, so it's kind of that one with the machine. So you've got the whole relationship with River and the TARDIS getting built on here and giving it a history. Which you can slag River off all you want, but there's a lot of emotion in her scenes. And when it comes later when she says that the Doctor says you're not flying it right, and she goes, no, you taught me. Then we the get wa- that, the scenes they've had together. The walking sonic screwdriver would obviously have a relationship with the TARDIS being built there, yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> the Doctor gives Rory the ring. River still can't get the TARDIS to land. Uh, this is when we get the silence will fall bit, which I think was like, was this not the foreshadowing for the season after this, the whole silence? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's nothing to do with this at all. So we'll, <laughs> we'll go into that. It's the um, foreshadowing of who River's song turns out to be. And Amy getting kidnapped and who the silence are and Richard Nixon and all that whole kind of thing getting brought into it. So it's good that it ties it into the next series. Well, the series, which is a load of bollocks. <clears throat> anyway. Look forward to defending any of that. <laughs> yep. River is back at the house of Amy, uh, but something's broken in. And then River goes, well, the TARDIS kind of takes her to Amy's old house. And um, it ends up that River... See notices that um, all the stuff that's been mentioned so far in the episode, like the Pandora's box reference, like Romans, is all from Amy's memories. Yeah. 
when she was a kid with the bad uh, pictures of ginger romans with ginger romans yeah so something is making something out of amy's memories and that's what's playing out at the minute rory is quite desperate for amy to remember him amy just about starts to remember rory there's sort of images and sort of flashbacks going she starts crying for no reason she's not sure why she's crying and then um she's been doing all series so we're used to it well pretty much and the romans uh suddenly activate because we realize that they're actually nesting they're actually plastic yeah there's a turn up for the books eh? bringing back one of the most god-awful bad guys in doctor who history so again nesting conscious jesus but you can't complain that they're bringing back bad guys in this episode which has every fucking bad guy in Doctor Who in it. But bringing back more with prominence, bloody autons, Jesus. Christ alive. You could almost um, look at it as trying to rehabilitate some of the more hated bad guys. They had their chance in the first episode in Rose, never again. Are we pre all the ganger stuff and the flesh? Yeah, we are, aren't we? Let me check. I've fairly sure the series. Five. Actually, no, 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 no. It must. It might be series six because Rory's a full-time companion at that point. Oh yeah. So he is. Uh, so so that'll be series six. Yeah. So yeah. Ganger. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Who. Farewell to the flesh. Yeah. Yep. And all that. So Rory now has a gun in his hand, and Amy certainly starts to remember him. <laughs> River can't get out of the TARDIS because. <laughs> Uh, no, we've just read something into that that Cameron didn't. <laughs> no, it, it literally says in my notes, Amy gets finger banged in a field, not for the first time. <laughs> is this just your notes, Dave, or is this just your innermost thoughts? It, it's my inner monologue, really. <laughs> okay, fair enough. River can't get out of the TARDIS, which is about to explode because it, the doors open. There's just this brick wall in the way. Yep. And then I think, um, I think there'd be a back door on the TARDIS. You'd think there'd be sort of in all the rooms that would be an extra someplace you can get out, but never mind, whatever. And then we realise that it's every single bad guy teleported into this scene, Daleks and Cybermen and who decided to protect the galaxy work together because the doctor will be the one to destroy everything, so they lock him in the Pandorica instead. And that's the most the most dangerous thing in the galaxy is the Doctor. It's kind of like them things at wildlife parks where you're asked the most dangerous species in the world responsible for the most destruction and you lift up the wee flap and it's got a mirror in it. (laughs) It's like that, only with more of a BBC budget. (laughs) Is what I say to that. (laughs) Ooh, political insightful commentary from Cameron there. Yes, indeed. Indeed, that's the end of part one. Oh yeah, TARDIS explodes. That's the other part. <laughs> oh, anyway, you forgot to tack that on the <laughs> end. that, yeah. I was so disgusted by the whole kind of like, ah oh, yeah, it's the doctor that's gone in this box, isn't it? Uh, Fairly worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly worth mentioning. TARDIS explodes. <laughs> Whatever. I've just put on the end here. End of part one. There are a load of moving parts here that I'm not actually convinced actually click together anywhere. Dave, See, I've written that this episode packs a lot. Because it brings in loads of connections and threads that have been left throughout this series. It brings everything in. It brings bad guys in. It brings the storylines together. And it brings back Rory. Which we knew Why was did anyone need that? To stop Amy crying. To like stop it. Amy A crying and getting B getting horny over Romans. Is that what they're trying? Yeah. Let's give her something else to distract her with. Bring back Rory with some plastic fingers. She'll be happy with that. 
<laughs> but it's a big cliffhanger ending as well. Because you think, oh, okay, they're, obviously they're going to save the daughter, they're going to save everyone, but how the fuck are they going to do it? It's a relentless parade of misery. It's not just a cliffhanger, it's a triple cliffhanger, really. The Doctor gets shoved in a box, River's trapped in an exploding TARDIS, Rory kills Amy. And all the stars have gone out. Yeah, it's sort of dialed down bombast. It's not quite as over the top as some of the previous finales, but there's a lot going on. It really drags you into watching the next episode. It does. Thanks, impartial judge. <laughs> not a problem. He's making up for the last couple of weeks ago, isn't he? <laughs> It's three different cliffhangers because they couldn't get one that was strong enough. Either that or it's three, three strong cliffhangers leading into the finale episode. But none of them are. But they are. The Doctor's no. locked in a box. How's he going to get out? Rivers not... just like, Rivers just like a terrible walking sonic screwdriver. Who cares if she dies? Amy and Rory. Rory's a sap. Who cares? She can probably do better than men anyway. And all this big hype up for 45 minutes of, oh, the most dangerous thing in the entire guy. Ah, it's just the Doctor. Three crap endings when you could have had one good yin. What would your one good yin have been? What my one good one have been? Something something in that box that wasn't the bloody Doctor. So who would it have been? What would you have brought back? Let's bring back Sutek. (laughs) And his cushion. Aye, let's let's have Sutek in the box. There were the lots of rumours kicking about at the time that it was going to be Omega, because you know why not? Omega would have been cool. He's full of antimatter and wouldn't would have actually been in there, wouldn't it? In the first <clears> the Pandora just disappeared. A bit like Schrodinger's Pandora's box. It would have been yeah, but it would have tied in quite well to the whole Cleopatra thing if it was Sutek, wouldn't it? Aye, see where I'm going with this? I see see your line of thinking here. Let's bring back some stick. They should have opened the Pandorica and it's just Adric sitting there going, (laughs) I've finished my calculations, Doctor. (laughs) This is where it gets really complicated, but I've done the mathematics. I'm going to go to eSpace now. We can make it across eSpace if I work out the coordinates. As the doctor turns, bows his head and walks silently into the sea, fade to black. And Amy goes, I've always had a thing for nerds. And then she starts crying again. (laughs) Show me your calculus. No, 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 no. Show me your workout. (laughs) Anyway, um, episode two then. Okay, kid. This is where it gets complicated. He's not dead. Well, she is dead, but it's not the end of the world. Well, it is the end of the world. Actually, it's the end of the universe. Oh, no. Come on. You need to get me out of the Pandorica. But you're not in the Pandorica. Yes, I am. Well, I'm not now, but I was back then. Well, back now from your point of view, which is back then from my point of view. Time travel, you can't keep it straight in your head. It's easy to open from the outside. Just point and press. Now go. Right, so let's go on to episode two then. Uh, well, part two of the two-parter. It's the Big Bang. So the Big Bang was broadcast on Saturday the 26th of June 2010 
Uh, starring Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, Arthur Davo, River Song, etc, etc, yada yada. Uh, ratings for this one were 6.7 million precisely. So they've lost a million. It was uh, that mi- a very warm night. That million are quite smart, realised the first part was pish. There's that cliffhanger for you. Oh, it's a great triple cliffhanger, it's lost one million viewers. <clears throat> Quality, not quantity. Uh, well, <laughs> it's like this podcast. No, we've got neither. <laughs> <laughs> We are 1,894 years later. Yep. Yep. That's right, yes. Um, six. Back to the crack in the wall, snooze. And then Amy's drawing stars on her little pictures. And then the obviously the child psychologist is like, well, Amy, we've been through this before. There's no such thing as stars. They're all dead. It's not their deed, it's that they've never existed. So this child has been sent to psychologists because she has an imagination. <laughs> yeah. It's a warning harsh. to all the children that are watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was Moffat trying to make sure there's no competition for the future. <laughs> make sure a generation yeah. of kids grows up with no imagination. That way, he's no imagination. everyone's deed. She gets a um, leaflet put through the door of the house, which uh, the doctor kind of seems to just slide up to the door and then just uh, deposit and then run. Yep. Yeah. Um, you have to say that's commendable. He's carrying on his uh, carrying on his job as DPD delivery driver, even while the universe is collapsing. Yep. Put an over the door saying we couldn't get you, you weren't in, and then run. Can you imagine no. that the the, DD, uh, the DPD app would do say on that one? It's like going to go and the doctor will be delivering your package today. You are drop number eighty three. You are expecting, you know, you can expect your parcel sometime between nineteen twenty nine and <laughs> two thousand and twenty. <laughs> That's a better time window than Amazon give you, really, something. Well, yeah, exactly. Kind of gone, yeah. Yeah, he tells her to go to the National Museum, um, which is where the Pandorica has been transported to, from Stonehenge, of course, because we're always shoving things in dusty old rooms somewhere. Um, I I hate to say this as the defence. Did they just leave all that tech lying around Stonehenge? So they had all the lights, and they had to be hover things to move the rock, and the doctor was in the box... Rory was just sitting slumped like a whining bitch. Because he they is. just leave everything lying there. Yeah. Whereas if they, if they moved the rock back, then nobody would have moved the Pandorica. Because nobody exactly. would have known it was there. And also, whose national museum is this? Because it's not the National Museum of Scotland. No. Where Amy's from. It's, it'll, be, it'll be London. Yeah. But the British Museum, on it? But they wouldn't yeah. have... Then her and her mum go one day to the National Museum and Amy disappears and they seem to be fine with closing the museum whilst there's a lost child inside. <laughs> she, she is a really shit mum. <laughs> yeah, I know. So like, I'll just bug her off because, you know, there'll be no one there looking for this child. They've always given yeah. up on her. I think this is the often talked about Aunt Sharon that, uh, that does this, isn't it? It's the uh, sort of the, the mean aunt she talks about in the first episode. Is it our Aunt Sharon? Is that that's, who that's is? Aunt Sharon. It's uh, is this just Aunt running Sharon? off and abandoning a so, child so in a dark museum. Mom. No, that no, you see intense. the parents later on. But this is Aunt Sharon. Yeah, but oh she's yeah, got no parents in this. Disappeared at this point. Like yeah. we'd never seen her parents. Ah, uh-huh. but Aunt Sharon's still around. All right. But Miserable, yes, dry old Aunt Sharon is still there. Aunt Sharon obviously then still exists and was still, you know, spared the kind of disappearance of everyone. Is hmm. Aunt Sharon somehow related to Hugh Edwards? 
<laughs> Just thinking Aunt, on. Aunt Sharon is actually at the wedding. The, the actress is at the wedding. Yeah. Oh, there we go. The Pandora opens in the museum with young Amy outside. She obviously touches it and does that whole science fiction thing of, oh, I'll just touch this strange thing that glows. Touch and then it. the Pandora opens and it's older Amy inside the Pandora in the seat. And then she says, this is where it gets complicated. And I'll put it here, damn fucking right it does. Because we're yeah. about to throw the entire thing of, how do we solve a situation in Doctor Who, a cliffhanger? Uh, time travel. See, I wrote, get a notepad, get some crayons, and get ready for timey-wimey confusion. <laughs> yep, pretty much. It's all terrible. But that's when the credits start. Yeah, that's when the theme tune starts, which it's... is at least better than the Capaldi version, because Christ. I've put here that Rory was a bloody drip, wasn't he? Again. I think that's about the third time I've written that. Must be trying to make a point. So he came uh, back from the dead. Found yes. the woman he loved. She didn't recognise him. And then he was forced to kill her by his programming because he wasn't even human. Gets a bit sad, and you're calling him a drip. I can't even imagine someone like Rory would have been accepted into, like, the Centurions. He's How? Smart enough. No, but he's just like this little feeble, pale-skinned oik. He just wouldn't have. They would have took the one look at him and just went, yeah, I just feed him my lion. Might as well. Save time. Make sure you can do some maths and crash them into the dinosaurs. Um, a bit harsh on Rory, but all right. I'll always be harsh on Rory. So the um, the doctor suddenly appears, and then it's like, you got to get me out of the Pandorica, but you're not in the Pandorica. Well, I am, but uh, future me is uh, there past me as I was, but now I'm here and blah, 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 blah. The Pandorica apparently needs a scan of Amy's DNA in 2,000 years' time, handily. Well, he knows that that's where it'll get it. Yeah. Because he's setting that up. It's all, it is a heist movie. It's Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen. The remake of Ocean's Eleven. The original of Ocean's Eleven with a rat pack. It was all the same thing. It's like a reverse hangover. It is. You right. know that they're going is to that... find a stupid way to heist out of this. And then at the end, it doesn't matter because they'd already done it all anyway. And that's thank, what you. Says. thank you uh, for that prosecution point, the the defence. I seem to say that a lot during this. It's an it's enjoyable story. story. No, it's not. Is it convoluted? Yes. Yes. Does it make sense Is in the end? Stupid. No. No, it makes zero, zero sense at the end. And it's all just conveniently wrapped up because of timey-wimey crap. Well, it's a, okay. can, I, can I just point out here, if we're going to level loose certain accusations at this particular story, just remember series six's finale. If we're going no. for convoluted and impossible to understand and messy, there's your fella, right there. I've wiped that from my mind. <laughs> but if you want hard science fiction with logical, rational like explanations behind it all, go watch The Expanse, because that's fairly hard science fiction. If you want fun stories and the Orient Express and the Titanic in space, you watch Doctor Who. And but not this, Who story, not this, this story. Not this story. <laughs> not this story because this is just time travel used as an excuse for crap writing but that's all all of Doctor Who is well, <laughs> all of Doctor Who is crap writing not it, all of it, it are you just trying to wrap up this podcast early some of it some of it Dave I don't know if you know but some Doctor Who is really good but just not this one not this one not this one but what is it that makes some Doctor Who really good 
it's when it's not like using time travel as a lame-ass excuse to just back yourself up a corner you've written into. Well, that is almost all Doctor Who. Almost all no, new Doctor Who. No, it's oh, not. and there you see the schism in the judging panel. <laughs> um, Never said that was a bad thing. Here's River and her gadgets again. Um, but this is when Rory stays with the box, isn't it? Yeah. Because he, he asked the question, will, will she be safer if I stay? The doctor kind of goes, well, yeah, I suppose. Well, so there's Rory going to stand by the Pandorica for upwards of 2,000 years. And then we go back to the British Museum in the modern day and we realise that Rory is some kind of like legendary figure. Jesus Christ, of all the people that deserve legendary status, we get fucking Rory. Oh, God. I can't even imagine why. But, oh, and you know, the centurion stayed with the box and it is thought that he died in the blitz and the fires consumed him. Good. It's because most British heroes are people who just do their fucking job and stand there. That's it. They do their job and that makes them a hero. Yeah. You, you can see that at the moment. Let, let's clap for heroes. These are people who are doing their jobs. If you get called a hero, it's because your government expects you to die. Rory shouldn't have made it through 2,000 years. He beat the odds. And he stayed and he did what he had to do. That's what made him a hero. Well, he obviously was standing around when they picked up the entire Pandorica and dragged it across to a museum. He was watching at a distance. At a distance? While loads of men manhandled his fiancée. I don't know. (laughs) Setting up the character for the rest of the run of Doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, anyway. But he just waits without sleep. Yeah, well, well, he's he's plastic, to be fair. I did think that when he was like, going, how is he going to eat and go for a pish and sleep? And then he was like, oh, he's a plastic nesting, isn't he? So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get a, um, a Dalek, which is crustier than a teenager's old sock. Um, <laughs> a, you know, who wakes up and then sort of like, you know, the scabby old Dalek decides to kind of like... Rah, rah, rah. And uh, Rory is now the security guard at the museum. No one saw that one coming, did they? Nope. And then it shoots the Dalek. But this Dalek, for some reason, despite being crusty and dilapidated, seems to be coming back to life a hell of a lot. But Daleks have always been hard to kill. Even in New Who. If you remember the Series 1 episode where the Dalek was in it, it, it was Roy, really hard to stop Roy the Daleks. Castle can kill a Dalek. <laughs> Not anymore, he can't. Well, no. Unless his dust just clogs up their fans. I think we'd established in that film that dedication is all you need to defeat the Daleks. Maybe a trumpet yep. solo. We don't know. <laughs> and then it's like, once again, unless Stephen Moffat kind of lets write it on a post-it note, oh, it's the light from the Pandorica that regenerates stuff. Yeah, that, that'll that do. That's like um, vortex manipulators and hypnotic lipstick. Yeah, we'll just put that all in one pile. It's just like two words. We'll smash it together. That'll be fine, yeah. And sonic screwdriver and time travel. <laughs> Let's just make stuff up. And like, you know, oh yeah, if Stephen Moffat was there today, we'd have the Infinity Blender. I think you can buy that on QVC right now. You can, exactly, yeah. Mincing up your time streams good and proper. It slices and dices and makes fries in three different ways. Yeah. Great. It's um, a spiralised point in time. <laughs> so the doctor, the doctor now... <laughs> 
the doctor now has to set up all the stuff that he was doing with Rory beforehand at the start of this episode. So all the bits, you know, going back with the mop in his hand and making sure that the sonic screwdriver is in Amy's top pocket and all that kind of stuff. He then does the other side of the preparation for that. So he's zipping back and forth as a vortex manipulator, which is cheap and nasty time travel. I thought those vortex manipulators were only like suitable for like time travel like once or twice. Yeah, but he's, a, he's a time lord. Yeah, but he kind of like he's just borrowing some crap. It's like basically a Ferrari driver suddenly going kind of borrow your Fiat. And it turns out that a Fiat works every time and doesn't need high level maintenance. Shock horror. <laughs> like every time they say, "Oh yeah, it's cheap and nasty time travel," it works pretty much every time. It's a bit weird Regardless, that way. Half the time you use it, it turns out it's in a quarry in Wales. And it has a conscience. <laughs> yeah. The concrete wall whenever you open the doors. Then we get a dead doctor from 12 minutes beforehand who suddenly appears on the stairs and before he carks it, he whispers to the current doctor something, 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 something and then the current doctor is very much, well, that's definitely me and I've got 12 minutes uh, to live. And then we realise that young Amelia Pond has gone, disappeared. Yeah. Then it occurs to me if nothing exists and everything's slowly being wiped from existence, what the hell's have they got to fill in the National Museum? Nothing. That's why things keep disappearing. Well, why would you have a museum open with nothing in it? If nothing exists and all these bits have gone and disappeared, then why bother having an entire museum? Why would they have built the National Museum? There's nothing That's, to fill it. But, but there is. The museum is filled with everything that you know of. If what you know of is shrunk, it's still everything that you know of. Everything I know shrinks, Dave. Well, you know, I don't know how to answer that, Cameron, I'll be honest. Maybe turn the heating up in the house a bit. A bit of moisturiser. So, um, the TARDIS has become the sun. It's mm-hmm. not... Rory, and I think Rory thinks it's the sun, because he's thick. But it's actually the TARDIS burning up in the I sky. Th- I think it's also because we're conditioned to think that really bright thing in the sky during the day is the sun. Yeah, and we all look at it with like our naked eyes and go, oh yeah, look, it's the sun. Maybe it would if we had plastic eyes. Cataracts. Cataracts. Right, anyway. <laughs> don't, don't argue eyesight for an optician. <laughs> That's not the road no. to go down, Dave. Let's not go down this road, Dave. <laughs> Let's not go down this road. The doctor just, just a bit, the doctor just conveniently just grabs River from a burning TARDIS. Once again, just, there's no kind of like, oh, we have to save River. We have to kind of go, oh no, River's just back. It's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, he just turns up in the TARDIS that can't move anywhere. Yeah, but then he's just like, it's as if it's like, oh, River's in danger. Oh, and this is partly one of your great cliffhangers of the last episode. Oh, yeah, we'll just pull her out of that, shall we? Oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, she's back. Great. That's it. Nothing. Nothing to it. Gone. Well, it probably is quite easy to get aboard the TARDIS at that point because it's stuck in a time loop, so it's going to be fixed in a certain point. But it, does it so not it's completely devalue the whole one of your great cliffhangers of the last episode? Oh, it's so great that it lost one million viewers, by the way. Isn't isn't every single cliffhanger in Doctor Who devalued in the next episode? No. It's not also as, this is anyway. The whole of the universe is gone. There's very few places the TARDIS could be because there's very few places. But it's just the ease in which he manages to go. Yeah, all right. I'll just nip aboard and just like like. Get her out of there. Oh, here she is. Oh, that's okay. There's no danger to it. There's no. It's just kind of done in like literally ten seconds. It's like, oh yeah, okay, there you go. It's a very Doctor Who thing, though. You may think that the history of Doctor Who cliffhangers that have been resolved by somebody just like opening a cupboard door or you know something equally as mundane. 
Yeah. This is this isn't something new. I'm not saying it has to be something new. I'm just saying in this instance, it's crap. This is what it is. Utter, utter garbage. But of, of the three cliffhangers at the end, you've got the doctor locked in the box and Amy dead. Well, he's not even in, the doctor's not even in the box anymore. It turns out they swap them over, so Amy gets to go in the box and the doctor comes out of the box in the future, but then timey-wimey. So, so that's a proper Doctor Who explanation for both of those. And as for River stuck on the exploding TARDIS, she gets rescued by the Doctor, which is kind of what happens to... With no difficulty whatsoever. Shite. Even a vortex manipulator. That's cheap Absolute and nasty time travel, you know. Shite. That's dangerous if you use it too much. Yeah. Why this shoot the face? The episode. Why shoot the face is my next question. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, oh, we can have River Song pull a gun. I always think River Song is the character that they kind of would like the Doctor to be if it wouldn't break his previous character so much. Because, you know, River Song is like the gun-toting, intelligent one mm-hmm. who, like, like, gets all the witty one-liners and just kind of, like, goes, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you'll be dead now. She's she, Romana with weapons, really, isn't she? Yeah, and it's just, like, I never, I never got rid of her song. Kind of got what the whole deal was with her. She's smart. She's funny. She's willing to use weapons. She's attractive. She's like, is she? She's James Bond. She's Indiana Jones. She's that other side. She's the always cool, always stylish, always one step ahead. She's I mean, aspirational rather than somebody you can. She's entirely boring, is what she is. Just this two. There's nothing, you know. There's not. There's no downside to her. It's just like she's completely just all she the shot time. She's like, in the face. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. Whatever. There's no ever kind of like. There's no danger she's ever gonna die anywhere. She because she's gonna come up with some witty one line and just shoot something. She's James Bond. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. James Bond's bloody awful. She's the stylish, cool one. We'll see why doesn't the doctor just use everything like his sonic screwdriver to get out of everything? And you go, because then it'd be River Song. And it'd be crap. Yes, which is the point. Anyway, we're going to get Big Bang 2 because they're going to reboot the universe. It's easily done, isn't it? Yeah, it's easy done. You just like load everything up in the TARDIS, get infinite power, and then just it can spread all like the reformatted stuff across the entire universe. The dead doctors move by the time they get back downstairs. And it transpires that the dead doctor was going to be the one that was going to fly the pan well, not dead now, was going to fly the Pandorica into the heart of the TARDIS to trigger the energy that it would need. So now we've learnt that the Pandorica can fly. Yeah. Which has just suddenly been whacked in there. But if the TARDIS is everywhere and at all times, then it's already in the heart of the TARDIS and it just needs to make the TARDIS aware of it. So it's not even necessarily the Pandorica. Why does he have to fly the Pandorica? Well, the the, the Pandorica does fly. It physically leaves the building, which has never been mentioned before. We've never had... Oh, yeah, this thing's got an engine, by the way. But maybe the Doctor's flying the TARDIS by remote and removing that so it's around the Pandorica. You've used the word maybe at the start of the sentence. I think you're just summarising. (laughs) Can the court just register that for the record? He used the word maybe, and he's just inventing stuff now. So after two hours and 20 minutes of talking about this, you're suggesting that maybe I'm just surmising. Surely that's the whole point of this entire endeavour. Just to make it up as you go along, isn't it? Well, you can use as many big words as you want. Um, Anyway, so 
the we're going to fly the Pandora at the heart of the explosion. So Amy's going to risk not having Rory again, and all the memory of the Doctor will go because he'll get to be on the wrong side of the explosion, kind of thing. So no one will ever remember the Doctor. Amy seems to have no idea where her parents ended up. The crack on the wall is responsible for a hell of a lot. And then we get, what is the quotation here? You won't need your imaginary friend anymore. Yeah. So there we go. And then we get the whole thing with everything going in reverse. The Doctor going backwards. It's not even everything going in reverse. There's like two scenes where it's going backwards. I mean, obviously it's because they can't take it too far backwards because then it'd be a different actor playing the Doctor. It's more the Doctor going back down his own timeline than things being reversed, really. But what we're showing on screen anyway, at least. Yeah. Is that the events of the Doctor's life are being reversed at this point, and that's what you're presented with. It's kind of like the finale of David Tennant leaving, where he seems to sort of say bye-bye to everyone and go round there, because he seems to be just going back in, not so much in his entire lifetime, but in his relationship with Amy. But the difference here is that the Doctor seems to just resign himself to his own fate and accept it, rather than Tennant's grand through the force of going around every man in his dugout he's ever met, then greeting about it in the TARDIS, refusing to go like a petulant teenager. Here, Matt Smith just kind of, Matt Smith's Doctor just kind of, you know, I've lived too long, this is how it ends, I accept it, I'll make sure everybody's okay, and I'll just go gracefully. God, you really do hate David Tennant, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't hate David Tennant I just don't like his doctor cocky white boy wanker a stupid ponce haircut Elon Z anyway so I've got down here yeah there is a nice quote here with uh, young Amy it's a, a daft old man who stole a magic box which I think is quite a good little summarization of an entire series yeah program, really. yeah, yeah pretty much a television institution and then I've got down here, they dangled this last regeneration thing about, didn't they? Because were we not still on the whole thing where this was like the possibility that Matt Smith was going to be like the last possible one? Or did that really only take effect? teasing it, but nobody expected it to be true. I think everyone's wondering like, how they'd get it. He was around. number 11 originally, but when John Hurt came on the scene with the 5th anniversary, and it kind of bumped up to 12, yeah. Right. That bumped up to 12, and after that, wasn't it, when everyone was like, oh, we can't regenerate anymore. Yeah, that's when it became a thing after they introduced uh, the War Doctor, as, yeah. As we've learned in the, the, the finale of the last series with Jodie Whittaker, <laughs> that's a load of bollocks. I mean, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, that, the cracks all are closing. Amy arrives, uh, uh, awakes in her on her wedding morning in her own house again with her parents. Her father, who seems to be like, you know, they having the ability to math up some toast, it would seem. Yeah. Her so father, father Augustus. Tip out the window. Augustus. Augustus Pond. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> I think it was maybe a reference back to the Romans. Maybe. Because she was remembering the Romans, yeah. she went, Augustus. Or fucking Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, he was built like Augustus Gloop. <laughs> he was a bit, yes. <laughs> well, God love him, but there we go. It was almost a shame that at the wedding, her bridesmaid wasn't Melody. But I don't think they've thought that far ahead yet. No. No. Then we get to the wedding itself, which River Song walks past the wedding reception, and all of Amy's years of childhood therapy come unraveling in one fateful scene in front of the entire family. And she starts to remember the doctor, and everyone is just about to call the ambulance. And obviously, it's the, uh, the book of the TARDIS spoilers is. 
you know, the TARDIS is borrowed because it wasn't ever really his. Um, the book was blue, old yeah. and new at the same time. It's already been kind of like old and old thing. Yeah. And then the doctor's late for the wedding. And I think, by the way, if I can present one piece of evidence that condemns this entire story to the depths of hell where it truly belongs, <laughs> to the gallows with it, Matt Smith's jazz hands in this dance scene. Are they jazz hands? They're more sort of giraffe drunken giraffe he's doing. So. I don't know what he's doing, but it shouldn't so. be allowed, especially in front of children. <laughs> it should be put in the pit. It's the weirdo dancing at a wedding. Everyone's seen that at a wedding. You've been I, there, Dave. You've been there. I know it's I have watched that weirdo. Yeah, if, if you're, it's, like, it's like the game of poker. If you're at the wedding and you can't spot the weirdo dancing, the weirdo's you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I can always spot the weirdo dancing because I maintain eye contact with them while I'm dancing, <laughs> usually in a mirror. So then we get uh, back at the house. This is the bit where like there's some god-awful flirting going on because Amy seems rather intent on um, getting it on with the doctor rather Again, than her yeah. husband. And it just seems a bit weird how she goes down that road. On the other side, I think it's, it's like quite touching the affection that the Doctor holds both of them in. That Rory's never treated as competition or, you know, the useless boyfriend like Mickey was. That he yeah. holds them both as equal in his mind. So rebutting Amy's advances and taking care of Rory. That's quite nice that they have that dynamic going on. Would you not be a bit concerned jealousy going would you not be a bit concerned though if your uh, white your new wife's you know long lost friend from her childhood suddenly turned up at your wedding reception unannounced and then suddenly your wife starts making passes at him blatant obvious passes in front of you while you're standing there would that not be I I would wager that would put a little bit of a dampener on the wedding night for festivities you know I just just putting that there. But Rory knows him as well, and Rory remembers him. Rory says, how can I forget the Doctor? The whole relationship they've built up over the last three years comes back. How can I forget the Doctor when he's trying to nick off with my wife? Yeah, that one. I think that's doing the Doctor a disservice. It was her that's trying to do it for him. Married life seems not to be suiting Amy already, and she's only been married all of an hour. There's a point on here where they seem to be signposting an episode that's like three years away. Did anyone else notice this? Well, they mentioned the silence, isn't there? But, uh, no, they, 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 they casually mention going aboard the Orient Express through space. Ah, okay. An episode yeah. which is three years away. And they talk about Cleopatra as well, which isn't three years away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, aye. Uh, and then they go off for more adventures in the TARDIS because obviously that's what you do. You just disappear off your own wedding. I, th- I think that might be the only time where you're actually right when you see a Steve Moffat with poster notes. He probably had poster notes with Cleopatra and Orion Express on the wall, and that's where they took that bit of the speech from. Probably. It's not like it's something integral to the plot. It's just a casually tossed in remark at the end of an episode, really. I mean, you can't really hold that against it, can you? Yes, I am. <laughs> and, you, and damn it, you will. Yes. For the purposes of this podcast, yes, <laughs> I am holding that against it. Why? Just saying. Okay. Just saying. The why is because you're paid to by our sponsors. 
obviously. <laughs> Who are they? This uh, program is brought to you by HB Pasta Sauces and Shapes. Yeah. In association with David Ike, you know it's true. These, these days I get tins with like we pasta shape flutes and bowler hats. <laughs> Gaza shapes. Great, great on toast. Only white bread, eh? Obviously. A little pasta Michael moves. Yeah. <laughs> One uh, leg missing. <laughs> see, that is still my favourite football joke of all time, possibly. What's got two Japs eyes and a broken leg? Michael Moles. And once again, we get to the point of the podcast where I think, am I going to keep that in? Oh, I, I think that's the first time I've no. his head in his actual hand. <laughs> Tonight, anyway. The head on his shoulders as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not go. No. Shall we begin summing up then? Begin summing up, yeah. Dave, do you want to start with the uh, case for the defence of the episode? This is everything that sums up New Doctor Who. It is things explained by being timey-wimey. It's excitement. It's little bits of characterisation without being all about the characters. It's fast. It's got loads of callbacks in it for fans of watched other episodes. But you can also follow it just as a drop-in. You can drop into this, not know anything that's gone before, and just follow it along because it's all been explained. But if you don't want the explanations and you don't care, it's also fine. It's new who at its best. And I think for that reason it should be canonical Doctor Who. And now Cameron's going to say, no, because it doesn't make sense, and it's badly acted, and it's all just timey-wimey, and people aren't fully around his characters. But that's just what he's going to say. I'd like to point out to the uh, court that I never said anything about the acting. Noted, but the entire proceeds. last two hours, I'd never had any pop at the acting at all. You insulted Rory. Apart from the, no, I mean something Rory's character, not Arthur Darvill's acting of him. All right. Because the character is just a sap. You don't care about that. Amy seems to just revert, as you said yourself, between either crying or horny, sometimes in the same scene. Yep. I don't know how many women you've seen, Dave, that are crying and horny at the same time. <laughs> Katie Manning's but... back in the van. <laughs> it's the typical Moffat, everything's at breakneck speed and nothing makes any sense. It doesn't really fucking have to because we'll resolve it in five seconds afterwards anyway. It's timey-wimey nonsense just to like wrap up things because that's what Doctor Who's about. It's about time travel. So we're just gonna use time travel just to cover up our crap writing and planning for this whole thing. Matt Smith's jazz hands. <laughs> Which I feel I once again I'll repeat should just condemn this entire thing to the pits forever because of that alone. <laughs> On strength of jazz hands alone. And strength of that dancing alone. <laughs> bye bye. Bold bold claim. Yep. Alright, shall we uh, should we go into the listener evidence then? Cool. Oh yeah, people oh, yeah. actually listen to this, don't they? <laughs> yeah, someone does. Uh, we've been inundated with listener evidence on other episodes. 
on this one we've just done the two uh so dan mahoney got in touch to say proper masterpiece the only crime it's guilty of is making all our finales seem disappointing by comparison except maybe heaven sent hellbent you have to respond Oh, Cameron's just booing heaven sent it. Like, what's that all about? No, 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 no. I'm just booing this, this seems Doctor to be Cameron, this, do you hate all good Doctor Who, Cameron? This, I this, know, this is booing our listeners. This seems to be exceptionally he seems to have an exceptionally low bar this is the best finale he's come up with. Jesus, give us a break. This There's not much to argue with there. Yeah. It is a good finale of a season. Ties up loose ends, covers a nice opener for the next season. With time travel. Well, well, yes, the show about time travel does involve time travel. But yes. it doesn't mean you have to just revert back to it and just use it as a kind of like call, you know, get out of jail free card every single damn time you get stuck on something. So, yeah, that's what we okay. think about this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. I'd like to point out to the court that he's gone completely silent and has no argument for that. <laughs> I think you'll find that I was agreeing with the evidence, which is what we're discussing. I was How many vodkas have you had at this stage, Dave? I've had six bottles of Stella and I've had two double vodkas. Mum, thanks for asking. <laughs> and what time do you call this to be up? <laughs> You've got school in the morning, young man. I've not got school in the morning because my lesson got cancelled. So fuck you, Dad. <laughs> and I've done all my homework. And that concludes the prosecution from the angry teenager. <laughs> So we go into the uh, the little bit of evidence we've got. It's from our the Shirley Bassey to our Keris Matthews, the Tom Jones to our Ian Watkins. <laughs> it's time once again to enter the time lush. I'd like to point out that he actually means the Ian Watkins, who is the H from Steps, <laughs> not the convicted pedophile. Is he going to get Land of My Fathers played before it? Sort of. <laughs> I've got a whole, I've got a whole bank of Welsh like bands, and <laughs> just the instrumental versions of, like super furry animals, Gorky zygotic monkey, you know. Nice. So it's a bright and sunny afternoon in lockdown, and instead of sitting in the garden with a beer, its curtains closed, and time for the Pandora opens and the Big Bang Theory or something. I love a good pre-credit sequence, and this ticks all the boxes. You've got a roundup of all your favourites. There's Fatty Fatty Blue Man, uh, Liz Ten, who's just got her own Big Finish spin-off series, and of course River Song and her incredible bottom. Lovely credits, and then it's Interior Tardis. And oh god, it looks so pretty. There's no wobbling willies everywhere. Oh, we cut to the Doctor and Amy. Oh god, Karen Gillan is just so hot. Before long, we're having a rummage under Stonehenge, and the Doctor is desperately trying to figure out who or what the Pandorica contains. We cut back to River, having a chat with the Romans. Who is that mysterious Auton? Sorry, Centurion, lurking in the shadows. Watching this now amazes me. Uh, the amount of shit that was flying around fandom when Matt Smith was first cast. He really is very, very good. Pan back to Rory? Well, sort of Rory. <laughs> when this was first broadcast, I was a bit pissed. So I'm hoping this makes a lot more sense this time around. One bit I'm already confused about is how Auton Rory has memories of Amy and the Doctor. In a minute, uh, River is off to Amy's house and it dawns on her, the whole thing, it's a trap! In minutes, the shitty Daleks have appeared. They look like they're from Scara's answer to Fisher-Price. Uh, Mike from The Young Ones appears and the whole horror is revealed. The Pandorica 
obviously, is a prison for the Doctor, and all the baddies in the universe are joined together to lock him up. They pop him in, Rory kills Amy, of course, and then River is stuck in the TARDIS. We're on to the Big Bang, and we cut to young Amy, uh, played by Karen Gillan's cousin, Caitlin Blackwood, and all the stars have disappeared. Next thing, the Doctor pops a message to her door, and she's away to the National Museum. As shit as the new Paradigm Daleks were, I think they look quite cool in stone. Uh, young Amy opens the Pandora, and inside we find grown-up Amy. Then we cut back to Oton Rory talking to Amy's corpse, and apparently shagging it, it looks like, as the camera pulls back. Right, the next bit needs a lot of concentration, and it's really important you don't forget Amy's crack. So they pop Amy in the Pandorica, and we fast forward two millennia to find two Amy's, Auto Museum God Rory, and then two Doctors. This is as timey-wimey as Doctor Who ever gets. Matt Smith dials his acting, chops up to 11. And he's away, resetting time, causing a big bang. And doing so, he gets a quick run-through time and the chance to tell Amy to remember everything, and then they hit the reset button. I had to watch the last 20 minutes of this today in my office on Blu-ray, and I realised I hadn't opened the box since I bought it. Part of me was she's like, not bothered because this is a reminder of how magical New Who can be and how crap it is right now. You do need to pay attention to what's going on. The cast are great and the stories portray some genuine emotion. The last few series on TV have become pedestrian. This isn't. It's event television. Is it guilty against, against Doctor Who? Not a chance, Your Honour. I would like to say that it's a load of bollocks, it is, you know, man. It's come to me that, occurred to me that that common is right. He's a very logical thinking man. And he's lovely, he is. And the thing is, I've actually got the evidence playing in the background. <laughs> and that is disturbingly close. See, when you do it that way, it's racist. <laughs> so there we go, that's... Man. That's Jason's evidence, uh, pretty much in favour of the Pandora Cobans and the Big Bang. Want to respond to that, Cameron? Um, well, I've always had a thing against the Welsh. <laughs> I think you were in court for it once, were you not? I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I only, I only just completed the jail sentence not long ago, so I won't go too far into it. But uh, wrong, very bloody wrong, all kinds of wrong. Why do we, why do we let him on the show? Dave. Because we'll let anyone on this show because we're an inclusive, welcoming environment, Cameron. You should know that as much as anyone does. <laughs> well, was it necessary oh. to come, like, you know, bundling in the back of the van the first record, though? Hey, it, it, it's just enough. It's good enough for Katie, it's good enough for you. True, that, also, but it, it wasn't necessary, but you did specifically request it. Oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah. I had to grip on to Katie for uh, support on the sharp corners and a bit of Tedding brother. Yeah, had to. Had to, yeah, that's what I said. Strictly necessary. You didn't bite through your gaffer tape just so you could. No, you had to. No, 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 had to. Okay, shall we wrap this up then? Well, I'm just reading your verdict here on your screen. Bugger, (laughs) I'm still sharing the screen. It is a very satisfying conclusion. No, 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 stop sharing. I would agree with that. It was a very satisfying conclusion. Well, I was picking something up and you're going to be amazed at what you hear. You won't see this coming at all. Was it a satisfying conclusion, Lee? Do you know what, Dave? It might have been.
Right. So I've listened to the evidence of both you lot and the listeners, and I can only conclude that there is absolutely no way that Pandoric Opens and the Big Bang could ever be considered guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. Right. For a start, you have to have a heart as stone as a museum Dalek not to enjoy watching Smith, Darwin, Ellen Gillen. Real-life chemistry really comes across in screen as they bounce the spark off each other. You can tell they're pals. There's real affection between the characters and the quieter scenes that feel genuine. It's kind of like Tom Baker and Liz Sladen on screen. You're going to get that what? impression. Ooh. <laughs> in terms of the friendship and coming across Bring on screen. Guns. That's a, a, this will amaze you. A very satisfying conclusion to a strong series. Who knew, Dave? Satisfying conclusion. And yeah, I know we're supposed to judge these episodes on their own merits, but they're both very tight, very strong episodes. It's a great two-parter to finish off a series on. And you don't even have to have that depth of knowledge about what's happened in the series before, because you get all this little bits wrapped up, but it works in the context of the story. Uh, it feels bigger than previous finales. That's probably down to Stephen Moffat doing a little bit of one-upmanship on what's come before. Uh, definitely not bigger than the budget stakes, because this was the, these were two of the cheapest episodes in the entire series. They actually had less money than usual for the finale. Uh, this is a real sense of, sort of end of the universe vibe without it being obvious as to where the resolution is going to come from. There's a lot of great character moments. The four main leads are engaging. It's fun to be with them for the whole 90 minutes. It's a finale that wraps things up satisfactorily and does what every great ending to the series should do. Gets you really excited for the next one. So the court therefore finds that the Pandora opens and the Big Bang are not guilty of all charges against Doctor Who and it's fully deserving of its place in the police box's official, unofficial canon of Doctor Who. Yay! So, there you go. I, I don't think Cameron thinks much of that, I'll be honest. He's sucking a thoughtful tooth there, isn't he? He's going to demand an investigation because he's got evidence. <laughs> I just need to phone Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, I, I will I, I not do... be. I will not be bullied into silence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you will. You can. You can possibly think that series five as a whole. Not to give any spoilers of what's going to happen when we come to the rest of the episodes, but it's a per- it's a perfect finale to that series. It wraps everything up nice and tidily. There's not anything left over that you're wondering about. There's a couple of questions that lead on to the further series that get you thinking about what's coming next. You're looking forward to it. There's no way, no way whatsoever these two episodes are guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. Not a but chance. there is a way, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> if there was no way, I wouldn't have bothered my arse for the last two hours, would I? So don't go thinking there's no way. No, there is a way. <laughs> there's always a way. There's always, always a way. a way. I'll just use. How's about I just use some timey wimey bollocks to get myself out of this situation in a kind of lazy written. But there's also a way that doesn't involve Cameron's bollocks, and that way is the (laughs) listeners. (laughs) If the listeners disagree with us, I know you've got your baggy shorts on, but I was showing us little Dave before. But don't bring Cameron's bollocks into it. (laughs) I'm I'm not bringing Cameron's bollocks in or out of anything. I'm merely saying that it's not entirely up to us. That is true. The the, the original the original verdict in the courtroom is just their opinion. Result comes down to the listeners. So as Thank usual, Christ. <laughs> as usual, we're going to put a poll up on Twitter for seven days after this episode goes out, and you, the listeners, get to decide. You get the final say. Is the Pandora opens and the Big Bang guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who? You'll have seven days to decide. Guilty. And 
<laughs> reveal the results in the next episode unless these two blow it on Twitter beforehand. The, the results are available quote. on Twitter. <laughs> it's, it's right there on the Twitter account for all it's to see. Is it too much to ask for a little bit of drama at the start of every episode? I'm is it? sorry that is both it? of us commented on your Twitter post. <laughs> A <laughs> um, little, little bit of restraint. Is that too much to ask? Yes. Honestly. Where, where do we go next with this, by the way? Where, what, what's 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 the next one we're doing? So next time, it's the last of the three that we drew back in 1872. Aye. Uh, before we go back to the envelopes of justice, we are doing, in the next episode, we're going to be doing Resurrection of the Daleks. Ah. So we're going back to the Peter Davison era. I uh, a big Dalek heavy episodes for Lenskar, Rodney Buse, confusion in his mind, etc., etc. I uh, think um, we'll we'll find in that episode that that's pish and all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cameron well, is saying he's still out early. I wonder which side Cameron might be on for that one. It's a mystery. Well, who knows? We'll see. Um, and and after when are we drawing the new ones? Uh, at the end of the next episode. At the end of the next one. All right, okay. I was going to. If we're doing that. a classic series episode, then I've got the perfect system. Oh, good. I look forward right. to that. Oh no! <laughs> Yay! Because I know Master. how much you loved it. If the Doctor was, <laughs> this will blow your minds. Oh God! But that's for another episode. That's for that's yeah. for later on. For the meantime. Uh, we found the Pandora Grobens, Big Bang, Not Guilty of Crimes Against Doctor Who. You get the final say. Go to the poll on Twitter, vote, and we'll reveal the results next time. Uh, but for now, this has been episode 23 of the Polis Box. I've been Lee. I've been Dave. I've been Cameron. Muchly disappointed. <laughs> muchly. Nice muchly. there, Mr. Trump. It is very muchly disappointing. And we now go to Rachel Riley and Dictionary Corner to get the definition on muchly. Susie Dent, surely. Yeah, it's, it's Susie that does the words, Lee. Yeah, okay. I've got, I've got a job. I've got a job. I've got to go to work two days a week. I don't have time to watch Countdown. You lay about staying at home all day. people's references and then get them wrong. <laughs> That's just another reason your mother would be disappointed in you. There's so many reasons. Yeah. This podcast being chief amongst them. Okay, that's it for now. We will see you in probably not two weeks' time for the the Resurrection of Daleks episodes. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.